Yes, coming in hot with episode 29 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who has rolled out and rolled up the Oli Gula Solskjaer out banner two or three times inside 90 minutes, jobber. How are you? Yeah, good. I had my half and a half shirt on this morning, Southampton, Manchester United. Um, just like the game, it split straight down the middle. I think we're on episode 30 too, mate. I think we've. I think you're underselling us. I've got. I've got uh, 30 here. I've got 29, so maybe, oh, yeah, actually, we will take Spotify over your word. Yeah, yeah, we will do that. (laughs) Those slides after what they did to Taylor Swift. Um, Look, what a week it's been. So Big show. Big big show. show. Flavor of the the pod. We've got, uh, what have we got, opening question. We've got some weekly happenings, EPL review, and we'll touch on the uh, Champions League games coming up. Rogers multi, oh, a bit of a slip up there, and then we'll get into the socials. But let's crack in because we've got a lot to cover. Opening question, what do you got? All right, so I don't know if you saw, but Big Was is back in the dugout. I Isn't it great this, yes. to see? So Wayne Rooney took sole charge of Derby for Saturday's home game against Wickham Wanderers, having been part of an interim coaching quartet from, alongside Liam Rossini. Do you remember him? Yes. Jay Given, you obviously remember him. And Justin Walker. Shay, yep. Don't know who that is. Since Philip Cocker is sacking. So Wayne is currently filling the world's greatest role, player manager. You don't see enough of him. But Wazza is the man to do it and he's going to bring it back. So I was thinking if you could have one player or manager you would like to see as a player or player you would like to see as a manager, who would it be? Um, Shay Given, he would He's in that um, coaching lineup as well. Is that right? All? Yeah, yeah, the All Star yeah. Quartet. Wayne Rooney looked at looked at home, didn't he? Sitting on the bench there as a manager. You know, you look some managers whether whether they like leave a new club and, and start um, managing it at a new club, and uh, they look a bit out of place or anything like that. But he looked right at home there. And I am going for James Milner. So considering you can play left back, right back, centre mid right wing, left wing, and he might have even chucked the gloves on at one point. Why not be the manager as well? Finish it off. So I've got Milner. Who have you got? So I've gone for a similar vein. I've gone with Paul Pogba because I feel like that ankle's not going to come good and he already spends half his time in the dugout. So like he's already got the seat that he wants. and He's heavily opinionated. I feel like he just filled the role perfectly. And it might give his ankle the time to recuperate and he can still get a fat paycheck too. So, well, the other thing there is um, he could sell himself to Real Madrid too, so that might so work So he could out. play for Real Madrid and manage Manchester United. Um, <laughs> so, last, thing wanted, bonus. last thing I wanted to say about Waza, do you reckon he looked hard? Because of the grey grey whiskey. <laughs> yeah, thing, and, and the jacket yeah. and the tracks. I just thought when I looked at him, I thought, Jesus Christ, he looks hard. <laughs> He's a tough bastard. He was tough bastard on the pitch, so it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, just that wait top for manager. Tony Pulis to <laughs> size up to him. <laughs> Two managers going at it. Um, so look, All right. what weekly happenings you got? It's, for it's been a, it's been a pretty tough week with um, Diego's passing last week. So there's been a heap of tributes. Have you seen the, any of the Diego tributes? Um, the All Blacks did one in Argentina, which was quite touching. Diego Simeone was genuinely um, like genuinely distraught. Losing Diego because I know they were very close. And as he said last week, they were rivals for the job. But that's been a lot of the week. But the other person that passed away this week was Papa Booba Job. Do you remember him? Yeah, Fulham, wasn't he? He played Fulham. Fulham and, um, and, um, absolute worldy uh, for Fulham, I remember too. And I think he scored in the 2002 World Cup against France too when they beat France. World yep. champions, not about. Opening, opening game of that tournament. Um, and only 42, so young still as well. Yeah. Had one of the best nicknames in football too. Didn't make our list a couple of weeks back, but um, they used to call him <laughs> they used to call him the wardrobe. Um, <laughs> Why'd they call him the wardrobe? Because he's so fucking wide. He was he had the broadest shoulders I've ever seen. <laughs> there's no there's no sexual connotation to it. He was just a very wide man. Um, so that was really sad because he he was as you said he was a fantastic footballer for Fulham, Portsmouth, Senegal. Really enjoyable player to watch. Um, so really sad news there. The other yep. thing that happened yeah, this young. week was did you see Raul Jimenez head injury? Da- and David Lewis, yeah, the, the head clash from the, from the corner. Um, I think when they when both players went down and landed, you could just see um, either side just waving on the physio straight away. So at that point, yeah, you, you knew it was um, 
was serious. Uh, like Lewis played on for the rest of the half and then and then asked to be taken off at just after half time or on half time, I think. But um, yeah, Raul um, took that rather hard, got stretched it off, and um, he's got some surgery. Is that right? So my understanding was he was still unconscious as they were carrying him off the ground. Like, mm. and he didn't recover consciousness until later in the hospital. So he had surgery on a fractured skull later that evening. Yeah, I don't know the um, lead time on a fractured skull, but I would imagine he's going to miss a huge chunk of this this season. Yeah. Last person I can think of did that was Peter Check, and he ended up playing the rest of his career in a helmet. Yeah. So it doesn't look good for him. It is. That was really tough sad. Injury. It is a bloody yeah. tough injury. So moving on to the football chat, that's two fairly awful bits of news. But um, Celtic were knocked out of the League Cup this week by Ross County, and Neil Lennon could be sacked this week. So the thing I wanted to bring up here was, do you remember – probably episode one or two, we had a reader write in telling us that Celtics days were numbered, Lennon was a hack, and Gerard was going to get it done, and we are like, nah, can't happen. Well, Dom, I think you might be right. Celtic are in bloody all sorts, and Lennon could be sacked this week. Yeah, Dom, Dom's caught it. I remember saying that um, I I didn't say he was going to be incorrect, but I said they've, they've taken a step to close the gap and, and they'll probably take another one this year. I didn't know that step would be um, a giant step and, and they'd get in front of them. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're in trouble at the moment, Celtic. And I think everything that goes bad for them, I think that just propels Rangers' sort of momentum and, and headspace that they can actually do it. So, yeah, inter- interesting space in the Scottish League for probably the first time in a long time. Yeah, Stevie's doing a wonderful job. So last time was Newcastle United have received another two positive COVID tests. So if you're a football fan, I'd start being afraid we're going to get another shutdown. Um, and I don't think Boris can handle it because they're now await- now nervously waiting to learn whether they've suffered a mass infection after Saturday's game against Crystal Palace. Yeah, so they had, they had both tough sides had... Um, infections going into the game so a couple of players missed out from each side and then yeah two Newcastle um, players tested positive after the game as well so yeah some a lot of testing going on between those two teams and we'll see the outcome of that but I don't know what are you saying are you thinking that at some point the the Prem will be shut down again at least for a short period of time I I am I'm really hoping Mm. it's not over Christmas too because that's my favorite part of the holidays those games come thick and fast don't they but fast that, that is it for weekly happenings. So let's crack into the review. Um, and where are we starting? We're starting with the COVID derby, Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. So Wolf Zaha was ruled out with COVID. And for me, that was the difference in this game. What did you make of this game? Well, I thought Carl Darlow, our boy, we, we've come to love um, oh Carl. He's done so well. A couple of Big saves again for Newcastle and really kept a minute initially. I thought the game could have gone either way. Um, up until about 80 minutes, I thought the game could have gone either way and potentially Palace had had some of the, the better chances. Um, but, yeah, Carl, man of the match, and he's definitely um, player of the season for them so far. But then, yeah, that, that last 10 minutes is what really split the side is when sort of Newcastle um, clipped away and um, and yeah, got there a couple of goals for Brig Brucey's team. What did you make of this Newcastle performance? Yeah, so like I, th- I think it was pretty much what you'd expected. Like two teams that aren't particularly comfortable on the ball, and generally Palace are heavily reliant on like a Wolf Zaha bit of skill, beat someone and they'll score. And Newcastle are really happy to sit back and hit on the counter, and they look terrible when they play out. So this one, a bit of a stalemate. Like Palace were on top of the game for, of the game for eighty yeah. minutes. Like, oh, no, eighty yeah. minutes. I think that's where the game turned. Yeah, yep. And um, Joel Linton had a couple of chances, but like again, you're not really that concerned if Joel Linton's getting chances because he's probably not going to put them away. But the world went crazy after eighty eighth minutes. So um, Callum Wilson tucks one home, and then Joel Linton with a bit of footwork tucks one home. Honestly, that, that, that footwork was some of the slowest footwork I've ever seen, don't you think? Like, He's a professional so footballer. Awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he almost fell over it. But um, big three points for Brucey's boys, wasn't it? Yeah, so in the end, um, Jolinton got an assist for the um, Callum's first goal, um, for the first goal for Newcastle and, and the goal. But, yeah, huge result for Brucey. Callum Wilson, great signing so far. More goals. He's, uh, he's paid them back. Yeah, he's done really well. So Newcastle are now up to 13th, right? 14 points, eight points clear of West Brom. That's massive. 
Are they safe? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> after, after a quarter of the season, I'm not saying Newcastle are safe. But they're going the right way about it. Um, and they, they do seem very dangerous on the counter. Like, they're taking chances. So, good news for them. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a bit underwhelming. Some of the fans aren't happy there in the style that they play. But I think if you're a Newcastle fan, you've got to be appreciative of them bringing um, a couple of players and some exciting players coming in. Fraser, um, Joel Linton, I know he was bought a couple of years ago, but they spent some money on him and, and Callum Wilson. So, I mean, there, there are some signs there that um, things are picking up for Newcastle. And then if you're safe and, and not in a relegation scrap, I think that's definitely a, a tick for Brucey and a step forward. Obviously, if they want to evolve from there, they're probably going to have to move Brucey on to change the style of football. But if you want someone to keep you safe um, and get you into the mid-table, I think Brucey's doing a reasonable job there so far. He's doing a great job. And that was that was where um, Rogers multi-ended for the week with that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, move, we move into failure number two for Rogers multi. Brighton won, Liverpool won. What do you have to say about this game? Uh, it was an odd one, wasn't it? I think... Liverpool sort of made a couple of changes to um, freshen up their squad and we'll probably cover Klopp's comments at the end um, and his post-match presser. But, yeah, they made a couple of changes, but I thought they, they looked okay. Um, to be honest, they, they took um, took the game to Brighton, which, which you'd expect, even though Brighton were at home. I suppose the, the incident which sort of kicked off the game early on and, um, and could have swung it either way was the Mope miss pen. So, I mean, have you seen a pen being missed by two yards um, in the Prem? Oh, what? He, he's, he's really diamonds or stones, Mofe. Some, some days you watch him and he can just do anything and everything comes off for him. But when he's bad, he's so bad. Yeah, well, he just leaned back on it a long way and he missed – he didn't even trouble the keeper. Um and, yeah, I think that, that would have been a great chance for um, Brighton to, to go ahead. But, yeah, he missed it. And he didn't end up finishing the game, did he? He come off. Uh, no, yeah, so he threw short. Threw his shirt down. Threw uh, yeah. his shirt on the ground. Mm. <laughs> that's, um, that's rich for a bloke who's missed a pen, isn't it? Um, so, look, yeah, exactly. Look, look, I'm going to skip the entire game. Like, I think Liverpool look a bit tired um, as well. Like, they just, they just weren't quite themselves. Like, they had a lot of the ball. But, I don't know, I just didn't feel like they had the threat that they normally do. Yeah, I, like I, I know they, they looked a bit leggy, but I think I suppose we may as well get into Klopp's comments then. Um, like they did look a bit leggy, but he did pull some changes um, and and then like made as many substitutions as he could and that's what he carried on about at the end of the game where he wanted some additional substitutions, pointing the finger at um, Chris Wilder and um, Sheffield United exactly. But yeah, some injuries there. I think like... Um, Robinson got got a knock. I think uh, Milner did a hammy, um, and I'm missing someone as well. Oh, he, he mentioned Lalana getting injured as well. Do you see when Lalana got injured? He got injured. They subbed him off, and he just kept running straight down the tunnel. So he knew he knew something something was wrong. But I mean, he's made of glass, isn't he, Lalana? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I reckon he just he's quite familiar with the physio at this point at Brighton because um, he got injured. He got injured last week as well. Yeah, he got into last week. So then on to, on to Klopp's comments at the end. So what do you think of um, he he wasn't excited about the offsides, a couple of offside goals. I think there was one for Mo and one for Mane. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think they were both offside. And then the, the decision at the end, the penalty, um, Robinson's challenge on Welbeck. What do you think there, Pen? Oh, this pains me to say, um, but I don't think it was a pen. Really? It, I, I think he cracked Welbeck. Yeah, I know, but I feel like that's, it's like incidental as part of football, like those sorts of challenges. Like, do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. going to kick the ball and Welbeck's not really getting much advantage if he keeps it. Like he's just going to kick it up in the air. It's kind of like incidental contact and not like really – I just I, – I don't know. I suppose when you look at it on the camera, you're like, yeah, okay, it's a pen. But it, when you're sort of playing the game, that just doesn't seem like a pen to me. Yeah, I'd probably put it in the bucket of um, like putting it in the context of here and now. And if we're here and now, that's a penalty for me. But yeah, I did notice that um, Welbeck got kicked, took sort of one step and then then went down. But I mean, for me, given the context that we're in at the moment, that was definitely a pen and, yeah. and well taken. So 1-1 one, one and Klopp was left steaming. But Jota, again, great finish. And, How good, yeah. Um, Jota's so good. Just on that VAR thing, like it just, 
it's just not sitting well with me, these, like where we are now. And I think if we start accepting these sorts of things as penalties, then that's going to become like the way. I think it just really irks me. If I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be pretty pissed off about that. Like I just, I just don't think there was that much in it. Yeah, so Klopp, Klopp said he thought it was a penalty at the end, but um, I think the, the guy interviewing him mentioned that um, Henderson got told by a number of um, Brighton players that they didn't think it was a pen. So, yeah, I mean, mixed reviews coming off the yeah from the players and the, and the guys there at, at that stage. But, yeah, a, a big missed chance there for Liverpool because that was the one of the earlier games and they could have, um, yeah, gone clear on top. Yeah, no, so um, Liverpool left steaming, still got some injury problems going into this week, and they've got to play Ajax this week as well. So pretty tough for them, but they've got a good squad. It'll be interesting to see what Kloppo can get out of them. Tell you who didn't struggle on Saturday night. Manchester City 5, Burnley 0. Riyad Mahrez with a hat-trick. Do you remember him? Leicester fan favourite. Leicester City reject Mares. Um, that's his first hat trick for Man City. Um, his last hat trick for in the Prem came um, when he was playing for Leicester. But I've got a couple of stats before we um, dissect this or dissect this as much stats. as we can, really. Um, so going into the game, Man City Burnley. Um, Man City or oh, the last six encounters had an aggregate score of twenty three to one, and obviously after Man City battered Burnley five uh, nil. Um, that blew out to 28-1 out of their last seven victories. So every time Burnley are going to the Etihad, they are getting battered. <laughs> Dushy, big Dashi said at the end that, um, yeah, they weren't good enough and um, they, you can't afford to give away goals to to Man City um, in why that is he only, But why is he only learning that now, knowing that he's 23, conceded 1-4? Surely he knew that stat going in. He's like, oh, geez, we're not conceding any more goals. Honestly, they, and, and his comments at the end too were interesting where he said that um, I know it's been played in the media all week and I'm just starting to wonder whether that got into the player's head. Um, that really didn't help me. So, yeah, I don't know whether you can blame, blame the media for going into the game down 23-1. I they were, they were dreadful. Like, it was so bad and they were that so thoroughly out. Like, 5-0 wasn't fair on Man City. Yeah. Like well, I've got, I've got one thing to ask you about the, um, the body language of some of the Man City players. So, like, I know that they'll probably go into this game thinking, yeah, we could really do a number on Burnley, but... Um, the second goal went in on the 22nd minute. Um, and if you watch that, Mares cuts inside on his left foot and cracks it um, against the post and it goes in. Lovely finish and some good footwork leading up to that. But have a look at the body language of the players around that. The Man City players didn't, like, you know, throw their hands up in celebration, didn't run over to Mares and, and stuff like that, which I think kind of plays into the enthusiasm that's happening inside the Man City squad at the moment. And I'm just not sure whether the, um, you think that is just reflective of the season and where they're at so far or just the context of that particular game. But keeping in mind it was only 22 minutes in. Yeah. I just wonder if they don't like Mares. Like, because if you were if you were playing with Riyad Mahrez and you're in a like I'm not being funny here, but if you were in Man City's team, a team that knocks the ball around a lot and Pep's like one two touch, get it going. Unless you're Messi, um, he would be a very frustrating player to play with. Like the way that he yeah. dribbles and doesn't, he's like he's not playing the team game. I don't know. I'm just like if you watch other teams that um, when someone scores and they they celebrate, you see. I like to watch. Um, uh, Bobby Firmino, when when Mo scores or something like that, he's as delighted as anyone else um, to see it happening. I think that's reflective of the Liverpool uh, where they're at. But then, yeah, Man City would just sort of yeah put their heads down and, and walk back. But yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm reading too much into that this early. But there you go. Maybe so. Mara is excellent. What about Benjamin Mendy's goal? Yeah, the volley. Was, oh. Great, great finish. And um, yeah, 41 minutes. Um, Mendy cracked it in, but. I mean, any can you take anything out of that if you're Burnley? And and what do you do? Do you just write that off and move on, or do you try and dissect that? I think if you're if you're Sean Dice, you don't dissect that. You're like, there is no greater gulf between two teams than Man City and Burnley. And like, what's the average of last seven games? Average is four goals conceded. Like, I think you just start playing the reserves in that game because you get nothing out of it. Like, yeah. it was it was so depressing. But, so um, 
there's not too much more to cover on that. So Burnley dropped down into 18th um, and obviously struggling and, and Man City up into 10th. And, um, well, they've got one or two games games in hand as well, depending on, on who you're looking at, um, Man City. So, yeah, so they're next, would starting you, to turn their season. So next one, would you say this is the performance of the weekend? Leeds United 1, Everton nil. Bielsa, done it again, eh? <laughs> Uh, would I say it's the performance of the weekend? I'd probably say it's the best result for for the weekend in terms of, you know, Leeds hadn't kept a lot of clean sheets, so I think that was um, very important. I think Everson feel as though they just turned a corner after coming through a bad patch. So, yeah, I'd probably say um, it shocked me this result a little bit. Um, interestingly, Carlo and Bielsa um, have never met before as managers, so... Considering yeah. where they've been and um, and what they've done in the game, yeah, interesting that they haven't um, crossed paths. How old they are! Um, so the other thing, the thing I wanted to raise about this game was it was one nil, but like I don't know how. Um, there just seemed to be so many chances. Like I felt like every time someone went up the other end of the field, they had a shot, like a reasonable shot. Um, there was thirty-eight shots in this game, fourteen on target. Yeah, and the other thing that um, was confusing about this, like seeing the seeing the result, um, and then I suppose if you're just looking at the numbers, um, Dominic Cavalloon won man of the match. Um, he played a played front for Everton who didn't score. So there you go. But like, like he should he should have had a couple. Um, but the goal to win the game from Rafinha was Rafinha. really oh. nice. Yeah, Rafinha's had a good season, I think. Like he's a bit patchy and a little bit streaky, but um, yeah, I like him as a player. He's very, he's very entertaining on the ball. Um, but he was, I thought he was good, and the finish was excellent goal, uh, like an excellent straight through the legs. You love to see that cutting across, um, bit of skill. But yeah, I, I, I thought this game was really entertaining, um, and I think Leeds are a very entertaining team to watch. So the other thing I want to ask you about is um, Bamford's reaction about being taken off. Did you see that? No, I didn't. What's it? What's Patrick done? Okay, Patrick? So, so Patrick, so oh, maybe what are we, maybe about eighty-five minutes. Um, he goes down with cramp, um, and then sort of picks himself up, stretches his calves, and sort of gets through it. And, and he's gets back to his feet. And he's moving around, but he's not moving that well. Ninety minutes, and we're in injury time. Um, the board comes up, and Bamford gets subbed off, and. To me, that was made complete sense. Like he was knackered, and at that point, they just wanted to see out the game and, and get someone to hold it up. So he gets subbed off. He comes off, um, like sort of slaps the hand of Bielsa and keeps walking. Like throws his um, shirt down and then and kicks the um, seat um, as he sits down on on the bench. So I thought that was interesting, considering um, I, I was watching that, going like, "What is he actually angry about being taken off because he got cramped?" But he just he just wanted to finish the the ninety minutes. So. Yeah, he got subbed off at the, in the 91st minute and was extremely unimpressed with that. Ah, uh, well, I'd say be very careful, Patrick, because um, Bielsa's got the best out here, so I wouldn't want to piss him off. Um, yeah, he's, he's fine. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't doing much before that. So, no, great result for Leeds. So Leeds go up to 12th. Everton have dropped to 7th. Uh, not exactly panic stations for Everton, but um, a bit of a slump now. Lost yeah, four yes, the last five. But- yeah, well, they picked up last week and, and you thought that um, they had Richarlison back and they'd, they'd turn the corner and go back to um, winning ways and, and where they were at the start of the season. But, yeah, they've dropped, dropped points again. And, um, yeah, I think Carlos got some work to do there. Yeah, he's turned around. All right, on to the next one. So this was an absolute humdinger. Um, West Brom won, Sheffield United nil. Is Wilder gone this week? You got to, don't you? You've got to move him on. I know he's a, uh, a legend there and all the rest of it, but I just think they need a change and they need to do something different. So, um, and I think if you get him, as I said last week, if you get him out and a new manager in, he can size up the squad in the next couple of weeks and then pull the trigger on some purchases um, or some loan deals when the window opens. What, what are you doing? Are you keeping him there or moving no, him? No, he's got to go. I watched. I actually watched this whole game. Um, it oh, wasn't. Oh, you're brave. I know it was. It was on at a very good time on Sunday morning, seven o'clock, I think, um, or roughly then. But um, they had a lot of shots. At Sheffield United, but I just thought West Brom were better the whole game. Um, West Brom were getting better chances, passages of play were better, and like for all the shots, Sheffield United having, they just seemed to lack a cutting edge. Um, yes, 
Well, that, that's interesting that you think um, you thought West Brom was better. I, I thought um, Sheffield were the, the better team. And they, as you say, they just didn't have any cutting edge. Like, I appreciate I only watched the mega match, the 60 minute one or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah I just think that they, they had some chances. And that's probably the promising sign on whether you're deciding to keep Wilder there or, or move him on. But even for um, Sheffield moving forward, what they do, there is some signs there that they did create some chances, but they just couldn't finish them. They just had, they showed some promise and just the finishing was just bad, just not good enough. No, but the other thing too is like you're playing West Brom who have copped 18 goals this year, like you're going to get chances. Um, and we've said on the pod previous weeks like West Brom can't defend, so like this is the week that you really needed to put them away um, and they couldn't do it. So the one point after 10 games, I think he's in serious trouble. I think they're in serious trouble. Like they need to do something. That was a big game for them to lose i know it's early days but what, what about the weather i mean it was just it looked windy wet and just bitterly cold Shit. there so yeah yeah tough day out in the in the hawthorns yeah so, all right so i'll tell you it wasn't a tough day for this week edison cavani so southampton two couple of jammy free kicks from ward browse in a corner oh and then cavani comes up once he got his stud sorted it was just all the Cavani show second half, wasn't it? Manchester United three, Southampton two, Hassan Hoodle mugged off by Ollie. Oh, that's it. What did most you think? Of that, most of that's outrageous. No, I thought, I think um, Southampton are really struggling without um, Ings and Redmond, aren't they? Like both of those guys got injured and I think that's anything that comes good at the pointy end for Southampton. Um, it either comes from Redmond or Ings. So I think, yeah, they are really missing them. So I thought, Selection-wise, that, that made it difficult for um, Hassan Hutu. Uh, but Donny getting picked in the United team, are you happy with that? Are you thinking that um, he's actually cracked into the starting lineup or does Oli have one eye looking ahead to the PSG fixture? No, I think, I think he's done enough. Like he, he just, you think he's generally in there? Yeah, yeah I, think, like I think the, the worry is that um, if, you don't, if you don't have that second defensive midfielder in there, you don't have enough cover for that very shaky back four. But mm-hmm. I don't think Donny defends that much, like in the same way Scott McTominay does or Maddich does. But he's just so good at keeping the ball. It's like having someone who can defend, like because you just do less defending because you have more of the ball. So like it sort of balances itself out because he's just so good at keeping the ball. Like yeah. he really loses it, and no matter where he is, and he doesn't. He seems to be like he's one of those players where he seems to be like the game seems to slow down when he has it because he just seems to have so much time on the ball. Yeah, I think the like playing two strikers um, just allowed um, Oli to to fit him in. So he's gone with two strikers with like Bruno behind as a ten, as you would expect, and then he's just gone the three midfielders. Um, yeah, sort of in there as a triangle. So I think yeah, that sort of allowed him to. I think it's harder to get Donny in that team when you when you guys play three out front with Bruno behind. Yeah, but um, no, look, it was. It, it was a better second-half performance. Not great, but like much better in the second half. Southampton were probably oh, – could have considered themselves a little bit hard done by. But, like, I know you're a big Charlie Adam fan. How much are James Ward-Prowse's free kicks worth in the current market? Or just his set pieces in general? Yeah, what did Sir Alex put the number on? Uh, <laughs> when he was Charlie trying to Adams. drive Charlie Adams' price up, even though he didn't want him. He said yeah. it was worth $30 million or something. At the million set, yeah. set line. No, I had, that, I had that down on my notes. Like, is Ward Prowse's um, service from, from Dead Balls the best in the Prem? Yep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, that some candidates. I think Ben Chilwell can really whip something in. Um, Madison can really whip something in. But, yeah, I think, to be honest... That consistency um, yeah, Ward from Ward-Prowse, the quality, like every corner. Just so much whip. Yeah, you're just like, oh, shit. Great. The corner really got ripped in. But I want to talk about the free kick. So you've got a free kick in a good area to for a right footer, to be fair. And you've got it over the wall, um, but then down in time and, and snuck it in. Not right in the top corner, but right against the post. So it made De Gea work. But De Gea banged into the post and hurt his knee in that. But I've got a question. Does... De Gea need to do a little bit better there. I feel as though as he was coming towards the post, he sort of, um, yeah, was just a little bit scared and a bit timid rather than sort of saving it and then worrying about clattering into the post. So he just... I, I, I'm not a goalkeeper and I'm certainly not a goalkeeper coach, but 
From a very similar position, Eden Vishka on his left peg for Istanbul, Bashikshahir scored a similar goal. And De Gea seems to have this weird thing where he's like, like if he took a step forward, I feel like he'd be in a much better position. Like, because the odds of Ward Prowse, like clipping it over him from that angle, like he can almost afford to take another step to the right, like from that position, it's highly unlikely he's going to be able to beat De Gea to his left. Same with Eden Vishka. I'm like, the. Like, the ball's got so far to go, I think he can afford to take another step to the right. And then he doesn't end up in, like, behind the post the way he did for Vishka and for Ward's Prowse. So two weeks in a row, he's conceded, like, from a similar position in a similar manner. I'm like, someone's got to talk to him and, like, tell him to take a step to the right. Like, I know it's easy to say, but it just doesn't look mm. like he looks well positioned there. No, yeah, well, I, I probably agree with that um, to an extent, but I think my question was more about like, I don't know if his starting position's wrong or it's his footwork that gets him to that position where he's yeah tied up against the post and 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 yeah he's not that brave in going into it. So yeah, as you say, whether it's his starting position or whether it's his footwork leading into it, but I think something has to change. Yeah, that's change quite, there. Like twice in a week, basically the same thing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Where he's, if he steps forward, then he can dive sideways safe enough not to crack into that post, mm-hmm. and it probably reduces the angle. Um, and to get it over him and down in time, yeah, he's going to take something real, real special. So, but I think yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, if that gets addressed or, or if we see something similar um, moving forward. So Cavani, right? Thank God, I thought we were going to talk about him. Got to him, <laughs> got to him eventually. But I mean, he, he come on as a sub. Interestingly, um, didn't start. Greenwood and, and Rashford got the nod when they played two up front. But, yeah, Cavani come on. Um, he scored two, but he could have had a couple more, to be honest. He had the, a header that just went a little wide, but he did rather well to to get onto that. Um, and then he had a volley early on too where he cracked over the bar as well. So, yeah, two goals, but he could have had a couple more, I think. But what I loved most about Cavani um – and I think, of, like, for anyone watching, it's just, like, his movement. Like, he just doesn't stop. Like, any time the ball's anywhere near the 18-yard box, you can see him, like, sort of moving around, ready to go. Like, the, the ball in from Rashford wasn't a great cross. Like, but Cavani's movement made it a great cross. Like, you could, he wanted to be on the end of that ball more than anyone else on the pitch. Like, and it was so clear to see. Like, he just – one, two touch, his movement in the box, like – it just makes such a big difference, him to Anthony Martial. So fast forward a couple of days, does he start against PSG? Oh, I think based on that, he has to, doesn't he? Like Against his old team, eh? There you go. Yeah, but just, just that presence he brings. Like like teams need to fear him in, in and around the box. Um, he's 33 years of age, so it might be hard to back it up. But like I thought he was just excellent, but he was so simple with what he did and just so hungry to get on the end of things. And like Manchester United don't have a problem creating chances. They have a problem taking chances. Um, so I think I think I would play him until like until his form says that you don't have to play him anymore. Yeah. I mean, in terms of whether he can back it up, he only played 45 minutes. And so if you did want to start him, you could, um, he could get 60 out of him. Um, well, and then, yeah, it just depends on how far, how much he fades in that second half and then make a substitution from there. Or, I mean, it seems to be working okay bringing him off the bench and, and he's finding his goals a bit more recently. So, no, I think yeah, Oli tends to, to stick does. with what works or what has worked. If something works, he's like, oh, that's the new idea. So, so he'll um, stay there. He'll stay yeah. there, I reckon. I think you'll say two up front as well. Um, all right, so next one. So this next game, before we talk about the game, I want to talk about Jose Mourinho's comments. So on Thursday, we said that he would be like making snide remarks that had like yeah. come as humble. So he said, oh, Chelsea have a really good squad. You know, they've got this and that. But he's like, wow, Chelsea have a world-class squad. Just a bit of a jab at Frank, just to let him know that he spent a bit of money over the summer. Um, so that, that sort of set the scene for the game. But the, the game probably didn't live up to the expectations, did it? No, I don't think so. And I thought... Obviously, the nil-nil is the first thing that, that you speak of when you think it doesn't um, match up to the expectations. But, yeah, I just think with all of Chelsea's firepower, I thought they would have been able to break um, Spurs down. So I've got a couple of notes on, on Spurs' defending. So I think Spurs come away with a clean sheet. That's two clean sheets in this week. But I just don't think they defended very well. 
I mean, one force change for um, Jose. He had to bring uh, Joe Roden in, who they signed um, at the start of the season, and he had he was next to Dyer. But those two made a lot of mistakes and gave away a lot of chances. And so, yeah, even though Spurs got a clean sheet, I just don't think they defended very well. There was the Dyer had one where um, he really lost track of um, Tammy Abraham and got it around the back of him, and he was like spinning around in circles. And then Roden's header late on. Um, which was trying to get back to Larice, which um, Giroud tried to volley over the top. Yeah, he left that pass short as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel as though they didn't defend very well but come away with a clean sheet, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, Chelsea did have – like, well, sorry, that didn't – like, again, if you look at the stats, Chelsea didn't have a lot of chances, but I felt like Chelsea should have had more chances than they did, but they just didn't, like, turn those sort of half chances into actual chances. But, yeah, Spurs just – Based on last week's fantastic display against Man City, I just they were just not at the races today. But they would have got like nil all the way at Chelsea. You'll take that most days. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I've got down here as well that like walking away from that game, I think if you're Spurs, you're just much happier, right? So you're already in front of Chelsea going into the into the fixture. So all you're looking to do is, is just not lose, basically, which, which they. Which they did. They didn't play well, um, but they still got some points. So again, that that's probably a tick. Where I think Chelsea were cl- not that they played their best, but they were closer to their best. So I think if you're looking at those two performances, Spurs have more upside to go. Um, it was at Stamford Bridge as well, which I think is a good point for for Spurs. Um, so yeah, I think walking away from that fixture, you're much happier if you're a Spurs fan than you are if you're a Chelsea fan. I mean, Spurs didn't see a lot of the ball down at 39% um, possession. So that that makes it difficult to, to get hold of the game. Um, what about both keepers? I thought that um, Mendy did really well and I thought Lloris made a couple of good saves as well. Yeah, no, Mendy looks good, doesn't he? He's really, he's tightened things up at the back. Um, but they, they had saves to make, but yeah, it just wasn't quite there. The only other thing I want to talk about was, what do you think of Harry Kane? Like, do you think Spurs were a bit too reliant on being like, oh, Harry's going to make something happen? Or like... It just, it just in, in, this fixture or, in this fixture or generally? Oh, because, both, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, he didn't play He didn't play um, the Europa League game. Um, they sat him out completely. Like, sometimes they bring him off the bench for, for those games or sometimes they even start him. But, yeah, he didn't play any minutes for that. So, yeah, I think um, Jose definitely had an eye on this fixture um, midweek. But, yeah... Like I think in terms of the are they heavily reliant on Harry? Well, yes, they are, but I think deservedly so that um, yeah he carries that responsibility, he carries the armband and most of the burden for the goal. So I think at some point, um, if Sonny or um, Harry break down, I think you'll see Spurs really really fall apart because. All they do more recently is um, a lot of defending and then try and catch teams on the break. And if you move um, one of those weapons out, the other one is instantly not as effective as the other. So I think, yeah, they're only um, yeah, one injury away from really sliding down from from where they were um, and yeah, losing a lot of goals real fast because they're so heavily reliant on, on both of those players. All right, you ready for this quote? So this is going to take probably 15 seconds. We are not even in the race. We are not a horse. We are just a pony. You see the difference. Joe Roden was playing at Swansea. Thiago Silva was for many, many years one of the best centre-backs in the world. Maybe one month of Thiago's salary pays Joe's annual salary. Who said it? (laughs) Is Jose Jose back? Is Jose's ego back to where it needs to be with that like slating people with his like hidden humility? I think it's great. Like we're – we are not a horse. We are just a pony. Yeah. Did you see um, with that, he too, he got sort of halfway through that and was like, I don't know the word in English. And then someone yells out, <laughs> pony. And he's like, yeah, 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 a pony. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, well, we picked that, didn't we, during the week that, um, that he was going to say something like that or, yeah, just carry on like that. So, um, I think it's not really surprising that all of that happened, but, um, what else do you expect from Jose? But I just got a couple of stats here. You know, I'm a stat man. Um, second season um, with Jose in charge at a club. So at the moment, Spurs are top. Uh, if you go back to Porto, second season, he finished first. Chelsea, 
first stint at Chelsea, second season, he finished first. Inter, second season, he finished first. Real Madrid, second season, he finished first. Chelsea, the second time around, second season, he finished first. Manchester United, second season, he finished second, and he still claims to this day that's his biggest achievement. (laughs) Now, second season at Spurs, and they're top. What does that tell you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Spurs can do it. You don't think so? Why not? There he goes back. Oh, I don't know. Like an injury to Harry Kane or Son. That, yeah, that's what I think about that dorm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, as I mentioned, they're, they're obviously heavily relying on those two, but why wouldn't you be? Um, but, yeah, I think I think they're, they're traveling well. They're, they're so hard to beat um, at home. And then I think, as I said, they've got a lot of upside. So they didn't play really well and got a point against Chelsea. You got Bale to, to come back in there. So, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying um, Spurs' uh, season so far. And I think yeah. they can. They're not that great to watch, but look, that'll, that's for another week. So let's move on to the last fixture that was played. So Arsenal <clears> won oh. <laughs> Wolves 2. David Luiz still bleeding at halftime after the head knock. What did you think of Arsenal? And, well, what what's going wrong at Arsenal is the better question. They just—they don't look inspired, do they, to play? And to—they look—they look to me as if Arteta has given them too much instruction on how to play and what to do, and then they look a little bit robotic in their play, and they don't have like a creative flair or just that you know instinct to um, try something a little bit off the cuff. So I think if you uh, to ask me what I think is going on, that that that's my that's my take from um, watching a few Arsenal games. What well, what are you going to put the problem down to? So I think it's a similar vein. Like I think he's like I think it was so effective at first because they were just a bit of a shit show under Emery, and he's like, "Yep, we're going to do this. You do exactly this. When you're here, you play this pass." Like, and made that robotic. But like that was good for a couple of weeks, and you know it worked. They won the FA Cup. But now, as you said, I think they're too regimented now that they've like sort of mm. lost. One thing that really irked me this morning was Abamyang. Like, he's saying, oh, I'm isolated, I need help. His body language and his work rate was nothing short of, like, particularly as they're chasing the game, I thought it was nothing short of disgraceful for the captain of the club. Really? He was just, like, he just... Strong. Yeah, he just wasn't, like, he didn't look like he was trying to win the game. He was sort of half-hearted. I think a ball came in from maybe Bellerinos. I think it was on the right-hand side. And he was just, like, probably five yards behind Connor Cody. Like, you want to see a Bamiang zipping across there. Like, he's one of the quickest players in the league, and he was just – like, he was coasting. Um, yeah. I thought that, I thought he was really disappointing. I thought Arsenal were really disappointed. They're just chasing the game. They just look so clueless. And, like, the even simple stuff like putting a ball into the box was just such poor quality. Like, I, oh, yeah. They, they just Up looked to, so yeah. – they look so demoralized. Yeah, they just look uninspired. So they're up to 566 minutes without a goal from open play. I thought um, I thought William was a little bit disappointing. I thought like he tried hard um, to an extent, but he just his quality, as you say, his delivery just wasn't up to it. He started the season well. He got those what a bunch of assists in the first game, two or three assists in the first game. But I mean, still still no goals um, this season for for William in the league. So I think. Yeah, to me, as you say, they do look um, uninspired and that's why I think they've just got too many instructions from Arteta um, and he might have overcomplicated things a little bit. Potentially that comes from the the Pep um, the Pep school. But I thought um, the for the – I think it was the first goal where um, Tini was just left one-on-one with Tarore. I just the, You can see that happening so, so far away that yeah. he's just so exposed and he's on his own out there and there's just no one coming over to help him. And as soon as Toroi picked the ball up, I said, Tini's in trouble here. And sure enough, um, he, he put the pass in down the side and, and clipped one back, that which eventually um, led to the goal. And then even the second goal for Wolves where um, he was a little bit isolated, he rolled inside and and um, Toroi sort of had a slip pass and then got clipped down, but which um, led to the goal. So I appreciate that. that was a couple of passes back, but I just think Tierney was just so exposed to to Roy's pace and power out there. Um, and at the end of the game, like I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just so sick of hearing Arteta say that he's happy with performance and disappointed with the result. I feel as though he just rolls that line out every week. Like how many times have you heard that this season? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of it. And I, I don't know what he's saying that I'm not and why he's happy with the performance. Exactly. So I think what is working better um, and what worked better? Is it the appointment of Arteta at Arsenal or is it the Rwanda, Visit Rwanda marketing campaign? Which do you think is working better? Um, I've recently booked tickets to Rwanda, so I, I'm going to... Honestly, say- every time I look at their shirt or that daft billboard that's behind the manager after he's talking, it says Visit Rwanda. I'm just like, oh, who's paying for that? Like, it's just absolutely getting torched. So, uh, the other point that I had on this one was I, I'm really... Like, I thought Arteta was going in the right direction, but, like, the, the disappointing thing was how they conceded those goals too, which was just, like, they were slow to react every time. Like they just wolves were just a little bit sharper. So this is now Arsenal's worst ever start to a Premier League season. Down to fourteenth, and Wolves move into six. And I think Arteta better um, start turning things around, or I think there will be genuine calls for um, for him his position to to be looked at. He got asked that question in the press conference, and uh, that yesterday marked the one year anniversary since. Um, um, Emery was sacked, so there you go. Yeah, so good news for Wolves, bad news for Arsenal. Really impressive was um, Daniel Potence and Pedro Neto, and that's really looking quite good. Oh, Neto was so good. Yeah, he's so he's, fast. He's He burned, I think it was Tierney um, down the left-hand side there. Tierney's getting torched a lot. Yeah, but Bellerin, like, let's get on Bellerin's back for a bit. He's gone backwards, but we'll save it for another show. Honestly, I could do a whole show on how far backwards Hector Bellerin's gone. I don't think he can kick a ball anymore. Um, so tomorrow we've got Leicester City versus Fulham and West Ham versus Aston Villa. So a couple of nice little fixtures there. Who are you tipping in those ones? Yeah, Fulham Leicester and- will oh, <laughs> Leicester, Leicester will do Fulham um, by a long way, I think. And I think in the West Ham Villa game, I'm going – that one's tough to pick, isn't it? Because both those teams are up and down. So I'm quite I think excited I'm for that the- game, to be honest. I think it'd be yeah, really I, I'm going for a draw. So, firstly, who have you got in the Leicester Fulham game, and then who have you got for West Ham Villa? Oh, I've, got I've got West Ham. I've got West Ham. I have Leicester City to beat Fulham by a few. Comfortably, um, yeah. yeah, quite comfortably. And then I've got West Ham to beat Villa because there's no Ross Barkley, and yeah. Miguel Antonio is supposed to be coming back too. And I think he makes such a big difference for West Ham. So I'm going to tip West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that one's tough to pick because, as I said, both teams are up and down so much this season. So it is difficult to to see who who wins that. But yeah, um, I think let's still do a real number on Fulham. So I'm excited about that. Um, so Barkley's an outside chance to play, but um, I don't think so. So um, let's move on to the Champions League. So it's coming thick and fast, and we have one more round after this before Christmas. So if you weren't excited, you should be excited now. So the first one I want to talk about is Shakhtar Donetsk versus Real Madrid. Yep, big game um, at Shakhtar. So um, and Real Madrid have some have some work to do. So they're seven points um, after four games, and Shakhtar are uh, four points after um, four games. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the upper hand here because I see this one being the decider on who goes through in this group. I think um, Much and Gladbach um, are on top and and I think they'll go through and I think Inter will be missing out here. So I see, yeah, the Real Madrid and Shakhtar game um, really deciding how the group shapes up. I think like when when it comes down to an important game like this in the Champions League, I think Real will get their stuff together and and get it done. Um, They lost... Um, in the Liga uh, on the weekend, but I think they can turn things around. I think when things get serious in the Champions League, um, they will get it together. Um, and they should welcome um, Benzema back as well for this fixture. What are so, you thinking? I think this group is pretty much decided already. Okay. Because, Gladbach through. So Gladbach through. Yep. Gladbach, yep. I think they just need a point against Inter and they're through. Um, because Real Madrid are going to beat Shakhtar, and Shakhtar have to turn around an 11-goal goal differential to catch Real Madrid to finish on the same points. Yeah. And I just can't see that happening. So I think this one's already decided. Mathematically, it's a chance. But Inter have a real fight against Mochen Gladbach because they need to win to make the Europa League. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they want to miss out on that completely. Like, if, if you're out, you want to be out, right, and focus on the league because... 
um, yeah, they've got some work to do in the league as well. Well, they've got some demons from last year's Europa League final. I'm not sure if you remember <laughs> Romelo Lukaku's um, horror show. But um, yeah, good on you, Rom. Um, so no, look, I think that one's. I think watching Gladbach and Real through, but it'll be confirmed Wednesday morning. But I still think that'll be a fairly entertaining game because I do think that Inter have to go for it because I reckon they yeah. they want to be in the Europa League. Yeah. All right. So next one is Atletico versus Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich, four games, fifteen goals forward, twelve points. I they mathematically they're through. Um, Atletico have sort of stumbled and fumbled their way through. They're on five points. A win here, Still but second, yeah. win here, and I think they're through. Yeah, a win here, and they'll go through. I, I am excited for this game, but what I'm really not sure of is if Bayern are going to play a full-strength team. Like, as you say, they are already through um, this group. So if they play a full-strength team, obviously this is going to be a great fixture, but I think if they make some changes... Um, yeah, I might not be as excited for this. Um, what do you think to Bayern roll out full strength or, or rotate? No, so Bayern are top regardless. So I so think they'll, changes. Roll, they'll roll out the reserves. So Bayern's reserves are still probably the second best team in Europe. Um, so I think they'll roll out the changes. But the reason I would still watch this game, even with the Bayern reserves, is because you know Diego Simeone doesn't care who he's playing against. He could be playing against the under-six Girl Scouts team and he will still run down the touchline and get in their faces when they score. So I think just watch it for that, if nothing yeah. else. Well, Diego's obviously um, box office, but I think whether Bayern go full strength or, or rotate a little bit, I think they'll still get it done. They'll have enough to get past um, Atleti, and but I, similar to what you're thinking in Group B, you think it's done. In Group A here, I think it's done as well. Well, Bayern are obviously through, and I don't think anyone will catch Atleti. Yeah, so Atleti are actually flying in the league. They're second, but they've got two games in hand and six points ahead of Real Madrid. So they're actually sort of building some sort of form. So I think a win against Bayern, regards to the team, would just sort of build on that even further. So I think they'll get away with this one. I think. Um, It'll st- because it's Atletico, it's still going to be 1-0, but it's going to be a yeah. comfortable 1-0. It's 1-0, yeah. A comfortable 1-0, as comfortable as a 1-0 can be. But um, let's get on to the Edison Cavani derby, Man United PSG. So Cavani starts. I think he has to, doesn't he? Has to. Has to. Two goals. He's in form. He's in better form than all of the other United um Strikers, so yeah, I think I think you start him, and it'll be interesting to see him start against his old team. Um, and again, this group is very delicately poised as well. So, um, Manu top with nine points, um, PSG and Leipzig equal with six, and Bakashir um, down on three. So yeah, very delicately poor balanced here, and I think PSG if they get the win, they'll go top of this group. So interesting times here. So what do you think? Not correct. So if PSG win, yes. Manchester United still have seven goals. Oh, because of the goal difference. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. a better head-to-head okay. too, um, unless PSG beat them by more than one. So PSG have to win by a few to go top. So Manchester United will stay top because of that goal difference because, um, remember, we batted Leipzig 5-0, um, which I think could still be a factor in this group because it's so bloody tight. Like, crazy to think Istanbul, Bashir could still make it too. Um, unlikely, yeah, but there are chances. No, no other group is um, is this much in the balance, isn't it? Where every team at the moment can still finish first, second, or third, or third or fourth. So yeah, yeah. So Neymar's back for PSG. Obviously, that's massive. Um, Mbappe's back, but I think like Manchester United are a better team when they're not the best team on the park. Um, and I think that's proven over all his periods. So I actually think Manchester United will win this one, and they're going to blow the group wide open. Yeah, see, I disagree. I think, or uh, to an extent, so I disagree that um, I don't think Man United will consider themselves second best in this they should. fixture because <laughs> they're at home. No, because they're at home, and therefore they won't sit back. I think if they sit back and try and punch PSG on the counter like they did in the away fixture, I think they they can get some joy and they can definitely beat PSG. But I think at home, Oli will um, get them playing on the front foot. And I think if they play on the front foot, they'll get picked apart by PSG. So I've got PSG to win this. Really? I'm, oh, gee, I hope 
your smug little face gets turned here. I no, think that, that'd Ollie, be right. Honestly, Ollie, load up on that. Yeah. Ollie's, Ollie's at the wheel, mate. He's bloody he's the best manager in Europe. Cavani scoring goals. Bruno's flying. Pogba's injured ankle. Like, it's all happening. He's on, um, he's on a tightrope, and every time he's about to get sacked, um, something happens. So Yeah, so maybe he's too comfortable now. Maybe we need to put some press releases out saying the board are talking. Um, but, yeah, okay, Pochettino. so then Arby to win. So Arby will go to nine points because they'll beat Istanbul Bashiks here. They will, yes. Um, yes. So then... We could be in a scenario where all three of them are on nine points. <laughs> yeah, that will be going into the last game. Yeah, that that will be interesting. Yeah. That, that's scary. I'll have some sleepless nights over that, I think. So the other group there that I want to talk about is Liverpool uh, Liverpool versus Ajax and Atalanta versus Midgetland. Um, so Liverpool on nine points, Ajax on seven, Atalanta on seven, Midgetland on zero. What's going to happen with this one? This is This is jeopardy as well. Yeah, this is tight, but it's just between three teams, isn't it? So it depends. I know how much complaining is Klopp going to do leading into this fixture? He'll do as much complaining as his teeth are fake. Um, oh. <laughs> he'll, do, he'll, he'll spend the next couple of days complaining like he has to. Um, he, he has to, but I think um, they'll have enough. I think he's obviously got some changes to make, but he, he'll make the changes, and I think Liverpool will be too strong for Ajax. Um, Atalanta will obviously beat um, Midtjylland. Um, and then I think, given that, it's between Ajax and Atalanta. Who misses out going into the Liverpool last game? Midtjylland in the last game, don't they? Yeah, so it'll be Atalanta and Ajax. Um, playing each other for the last spot there, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be – even if Liverpool lose this game, you still think they're favourites to go through based on having Midgetland who are on zero points and have not looked likely. Yeah, but Atalanta will go to 10 points after this, so it's still tight, yeah. So what – so for Liverpool to miss out, Ajax need to win this game, Atalanta need to win, and then – Ajax play Atalanta, so Liverpool has to lose to Midgetland, and I just don't think that's going to happen. There you go. You've so then, uh, bloody hell, so I think Liverpool are through regardless. But on one of Ajax, Atalanta has to miss out, sadly. Who's it going to oh, be? I, th- I think it's going to be Atalanta. Oh, jeez, I, I think it's going to be Ajax. Do I'm going to put money on that, yeah, just because you said the opposite. Yeah, I think Atalanta are better. <laughs> Atalanta are what? a better team than Ajax, even after that shit show at Liverpool. Yeah, I just, I just think, I think that game's at home for um, Ajax, isn't it? Doesn't matter. There's no fans. Bergamo was once the, uh, once the capital of COVID too, so they've come a long way. Yeah, and but they're just as likely to um, just that disease or um, virus just go straight through that club again, and they'll um, have no players. So you just never know. <laughs> no. All right. So last one that we'll touch on here is um, Porto Man City. So Man City flying. 12 points. What's Pep going to – are we going to see some players we've never seen before? Because they're through, you think he'll rotate. Yeah. I think uh, Stonesy will keep his spot. He'll play three games in a row, actually. He played on the weekend. Um, the commentator mentioned that um, he played really well and kept his spot for the Burnley fixture. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> so he just um, – Pep just decided to rest the, um, his other his other centre-backs there. So, yeah, I, I think – He's. I think Pep still plays a relatively strong squad here and and gets it done. I think I'm not sure if he's going to let go of the league just as just at this point, but I think yeah, full focus on the Champions League, and I think he plays a full strength team and does a real number on Porto here. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think he'll rotate, but I still think Man City's rotated team will do a number on Porto. Because both of these teams are through, really. Like City's through and, and Porto are through. So you wonder what um, Porto would do with um, their teams or whether they'll go for full strength. Yep. So already qualified, we have Bayern, Man City, Porto, Chelsea, Sevilla, uh, Borussia Dortmund are pretty close. Lazio are pretty close. Barcelona and Juve are both qualified. So that's all that's left to be decided. Yeah, we're not a lot more at the end of this round. I would think there'll only be a couple of teams or a couple of fixtures that we need to um, sort out to see who goes through. All right, those games to look forward to. But what we might do now is look back at Rogers' multi. So he had um, Liverpool to win, 
That wasn't no, the first good. game he had. That wasn't the first game he had, was That's it? what he's texting me here, mate, in that order. So that's what we'll go with. All right. Man City to win, tick. Palace to win, cross. <laughs> Sorry. And, go on. <laughs> and, um, and Spurs as well. So he's only got one from four, Roger, this week. Are we giving him we'll – oh, I week? think he's still got the money in the bank from that fairly significant first win. Yeah. yeah I look, I look some... forward to what he's um, producing this week. So I think there's a couple of big games that might – might see if you can get a Marcus Rashford first goal score or something in there. Um, <laughs> oh, a couple of exotics. I think he needs to find his feet and get a couple of couple of wins first before we dive into the exotics. Now uh, we do have a London derby this weekend, so um, that might help out. Maybe yeah, maybe get an exotic in there. Harry Kane to score first. Something like that. Yeah, or Bruno Fernandez penalty. That'd be like a dollar one. Don't worry about <laughs> it. All right, so if you want to get in touch, it's email at football played on paper, uh, football played on paper at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, Football Played on Paper, Insta, at Football Played on Paper, Twitter, Football on Pods, and please do leave a five-star algorithm, uh, five-star rating so we can improve our algorithm. That's it from me. Thanks very much. We hit a milestone on the downloads this week, so thanks for everyone for downloading and tuning in. The download numbers are looking thick. Thanks to the bots in China too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 